right. Well, we'll get right into our Bible lesson. <clears throat> and I, I have to say, I hope that y'all enjoy listening to this lesson as much as I enjoyed studying it. I've been, I've been learning and looking and reading about dinosaurs, and I'm telling you what, it is an intriguing subject. And uh, so I hope that y'all enjoy the lesson as much as I've enjoyed preparing it. And the only thing that... <clears throat> That I, that I hate about this lesson is there is so much that I've seen and read and heard that I want to tell you all about that I just, you know, we'd have to teach on dinosaurs for a month of Wednesdays to cover it all. And so try to condense it down into one night and uh, uh, looking tonight at dinosaurs. So we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, actually through uh, still in the creation story. And last week we looked at the animal kingdom. And anytime you look at the animal kingdom, somebody especially someone who is raised under secular influences and secular education will ask this question, what about the dinosaurs? They will want to know, how do you explain dinosaurs? And the reason for this is that evolutionists have capitalized on the dinosaur. Uh, they have taken the dinosaur and capitalized on him and made him their vehicle for per, uh, promoting evolution. Uh, they come out and they, they talk about dinosaurs. Of course, dinosaurs don't exist today. Dinosaurs uh, are somewhat mysterious if you don't understand them according to the Word of God. And so they come out and they say, how do you explain this? Nobody can give an explanation and they say millions and millions of years ago and here they go. And they've used dinosaurs over and over and over to strengthen the evolution story. Uh, and they've, they've propagated it uh, through many, many different means. I've got uh, several different slides that we'll look at tonight, uh, uh, but they propagate this millions of years thing, and they start it when you're just a child. Uh, I believe I've got some slides up there, but I believe my slide guy's gone. Here he is. There we go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've got some pictures there, Hot Rod. Show them the picture of all the books there. All righty. So, so here's children's books. And this is just, I just Googled children's books about dinosaurs, and this was as much as I could fit into a screenshot. There was hundreds of pages of dinosaur books for children. And if you open any of them, the first page starts with these words, millions and millions of years ago. They also have children's movies. That will be our next slide. Uh, you may recognize some of the titles of some of these movies here. And on these movies, they start out with, Millions and millions of years ago. Now, a lot of times these are children's movies, and in the, the storyline, I guess you would say, of the movie, they, they seem to be harmless, but there's an underlying subtle message that they're indoctrinating children millions and millions of years ago. My daughter, Kel, she loves dinosaurs. I've actually got a couple of her dinosaur books up here tonight. I might refer to them a little bit, but she loves uh, dinosaurs. And uh, she would, every time she sees a dinosaur or a dinosaur book or a dinosaur movie, she, she wants to take part of it. And so we always use the millions and millions of years as a method of teaching her the creation story. And say, now look here, here's what they say on the first page, which this dinosaur book's by Ken Ham. It doesn't say millions and millions of years ago. But you say, look at here, you open the book. Right here where it says millions and millions of years ago, that's not correct. Look here in the Bible, and we reinforce over and over and over again that they're incorrect in what they're saying about dinosaurs. But they've used it, and also, not to mention children's books, children's movies, but also in education, uh, starting at uh, all the way to young ages of school, all the way up through college. You look at school material, and you find timelines, and what do they say? 
millions and millions of years ago. Evolutionists have grabbed a hold of dinosaurs and they use dinosaurs to drive home the teaching of evolution. Uh, they reinforce it over and over and over again. And in doing so, they subtly and indirectly undermine the truth of God's word in the minds of people. And, and they've been successful. They've been very successful at what they're trying to do uh, because one of the biggest stumbling blocks that people have to believing the gospel is that question, what about the dinosaurs? And you know, Christians have, Christians have mishandled dinosaurs. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, what your history is, but I know growing up as a child, and, and my, my dad just didn't know at that time, but when the subject of dinosaurs would come up, it was almost like it was a taboo subject. We just don't talk about dinosaurs. Because the evolutionists had so claimed them that any talk about them almost seemed like we were starting to believe in evolution. They were so tightly linked to evolution, so uh, we just ignored and almost denied the truth about dinosaurs. And uh, for years and years and years, this is how Christians have handled dinosaurs. They've either ignored them, they've denied them, they've avoided them, they've tried to keep from talking about them. And what they've done is, although it may have worked for them, soothe their conscience, it created a hole in the minds of children who were watching the movies and reading the books and going to schools, why doesn't the Bible say anything about dinosaurs? Why doesn't the Bible answer this and created a problem for the furtherance of the gospel? Thankfully, in recent years, there's been many Christian scientists and theologians who have seen the error. Uh, men like Ken Ham, uh, men like Kent Hovind, men like Buddy Davis. I don't know if any of y'all watch any of create Answers in Genesis stuff, but I love Buddy Davis. I'm telling you what, that guy can do everything. He can play a guitar, ride a horse, draw a picture. I mean, he's great. My, I, I turn the TV on, and I turn on Answers TV, and I watch Buddy Davis. And Melissa's like, really? You're watching Buddy Davis? I'm like, Buddy Davis is great. But uh, uh, these men who are, who are scientists and, and theologians, and they have said, look, We've got to do something about this. And so in the recent years, much work has gone into un unveiling the biblical side of dinosaurs and the importance of understanding uh, dinosaurs. It's the places like the Creation Museum, the Ark, and things like this have been built to, to help counteract the evolutionists using the dinosaurs uh, for their benefit. Uh, and they've made huge strides in pushing back against the theories of evolution by investigating and explaining the dinosaurs according to God's Word rather than letting man's theories destroy the foundation of Scripture. And as, we, as we'll see here in just a minute, the Bible gives a framework for explaining dinosaurs in terms of thousands of years rather than millions of years. And it also helps us understand the mystery of when they lived and what happened to them. So, so we're going to try to just look quickly this evening at this thing of dinosaurs. And so as we, as we dive right into the subject, I want to begin by answering the question, are dinosaurs an unsolved mystery? Are dinosaurs an unsolved mystery? Now evolutionists would like us to think that dinosaurs are an unsolved mystery, that it is uh, something that they have found that no one knows the answer to, and therefore they have the liberty to explain it however they want to. 
But whenever we consider uh, dinosaurs, biblically, we understand that there's no mystery whatsoever. There's actually two ways that you can look at dinosaurs. First of all, there is the evolutionist theory. The evolutionist theory. Uh, dinosaurs, uh, according to the evolutionists, first evolved around 235 million years ago. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to stop here and say, I just, it bothers me that so-called intelligent people could say that sentence seriously. 235 million years ago. They don't know what happened 2,000 years ago, let alone 235 million years ago. And they expect us to believe that they know what they're talking about. But anyway, they say that they first evolved around 235 million years ago, long before man evolved. Uh, they, they say that no human being ever lived with dinosaurs, um, <clears throat> and the only way we know anything about them is from their fossils, which they say were deposited over millions of years. They, they say that dinosaurs were, uh, uh, ruled, the, ruled the earth while they were here. They were kind of the only thing that was here, and they ruled the earth. If you uh, watch the, the uh, kids' cartoon, uh, Land Before Time, you know, dinosaurs is all that existed. They ruled everything, and that's, although that's a car kids' cartoon, that's the same thing the scientists believe. Uh, but however, about 65 million years ago, and again, that just, honestly, just cracks me up. Where did they get this timeline from? 235 million to 65 million. But anyway, 65 million years ago, something happened to change all this. The dinosaurs disappeared. And they say that some sort of uh, catastrophe happened. And in that catastrophe, all the dinosaurs were annihilated. Now, we'll look at this a little bit more in a minute. But whenever we get to looking at dinosaur fossil bones, I have so much in my mind, I'm going to overlap like crazy tonight. Y'all forgive me. But... Whenever we look at dinosaur bones, you can find dinosaur bones anywhere in the world, which means whatever killed them happened to the entire earth. But scientists say that there was an asteroid that hit the earth that killed all the dinosaurs. That had to be a big asteroid. <laughs> and it seems to me like if it was big enough that it would affect all the dinosaurs on the entire earth, it would have destroyed the earth as well. But anyway, that's what they say. is Some sort of catastrophe happened, killed all of the dinosaurs. And as we talked about last week, some evolutionists claimed that dinosaurs evolved into birds instead of being destroyed. And I believe it was me and you, Brother Ted, was talking after the service. How do they determine which animals keep evolving and which animals stop, you know? Because if... if uh, Man came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? You know, it looks like the whole the whole uh, kind would have changed over. So, but anyway, some of them say that they changed into birds and they're not extinct. But we keep them in coops and gather eggs from them. So, but anyway, that's not true at all. But whenever you look at this, so there's the the whenever you look at the evolution viewpoint of dinosaurs, there's a big mystery. There are tons of unanswered questions. And evolutionists use this to their benefit to sway people to believe millions and millions of years ago. We don't have answers because millions and millions of years. But whenever you look at the biblical account, you're not afraid of dinosaurs. You don't try to pretend they don't exist. You just accept, yes, they exist. And you look at the creation account. The creation account is very clear about dinosaurs. Uh, we understand from the creation account that dinosaurs uh, first existed uh, approximately 6,000 years ago. They were created on the sixth day of creation along with man. 
looking at dates as best as we can. We estimate the world to be a little over 6,000 years old, and so that means that dinosaurs were created about 6,000 years ago, and so that makes that part simple. Um, we understand that uh, because all the land animals were created on day six and Adam and Eve were made on day six, we understand that animals and dinosaurs lived at the same time. It makes this uh, very easy to see. Uh, now, uh, we did talk uh, a few weeks ago about the gap theory and the day-age theory and how people try to reconcile evolution with creation. And those uh, people would say that the dinosaurs lived during the gap theory or that they lived the thousands of years before man was created. Uh, but as we'll see in a little bit, uh, the creation account doesn't make room for a gap theory. It doesn't make room for there to be life and death before Adam. And we'll look at that more in just a little bit. Now, after the flood, uh, a little bit over 4,000 years ago, uh, the animals that weren't taken on, on, of course, the animals that weren't taken on the ark were destroyed. Then after the flood, the animals that Noah took on the ark uh, were able to repopulate the earth. And so they came out and uh, began to repopulate the earth. And yes, uh, there were dinosaurs on the ark. This is a big question people ask all the time. How could have there been dinosaurs on the ark? The dinosaurs are so huge. Noah could have never brought all the dinosaurs on the ark. Well, whenever you look at the kinds of dinosaurs that we have discovered and classified, now science Scientists like to add a name to every skeleton they find, but if you put them into their kinds, there were about 50 kinds of dinosaurs. And most of them, all but a couple of them, were actually small, about the size of a sheep or maybe a pony would have been the full size of them. Only a couple of them grew to the enormous sizes, but even those that grew to enormous size, the biggest dinosaur eggs that have been located are about the size of a football. And so they started out pretty small. Uh, matter of fact, there's been T-Rex remains found that, however they figure this stuff out, they say was about two years old, looked like he would have weighed about 60 pounds. So it would have been very easy to took some juvenile dinosaurs on the ark. Noah would have had plenty of room to spread them out uh, there on the ark. But then after the flood, uh, the dinosaurs came back out and uh, all the animals came out and they began to repopulate the earth because of sin, because of the curse, because of the flood changing the environment. Life wasn't as easy as it was before. And because of that, these animals that came off the ark had more difficulty populating than they did before the flood. And because of the difficulty populating and because of man populating the earth and filling the earth, because of man hunting animals, different things like this, the dinosaurs became extinct. Now, like I say, I'm overlapping like crazy, but if we get to the end of the lesson tonight, uh, we'll find out that animals going extinct is not a rare thing. Animals go extinct all the time. They're overhunted, over, uh, not uh, properly managed, so forth and so on, and a type of animal will become extinct. By all probabilities, the dinosaurs became extinct uh, several years, uh, probably a few hundred years after the flood. Whenever we look at the Bible, at it, when we take the Bible at its word, there's no mystery surrounding dinosaurs. No mystery whatsoever, just common sense. Now, I don't know about you, but 
myself, whenever I look at those two accounts, whether the evolutionists, 235 million years, 65 million years, a catastrophe destroying them, or I look at they were created and they went extinct, the second view is a lot easier to believe. I, it's just it's a lot easier for me to grab a hold of. That just makes a lot more sense. So uh, whenever we look at this, we ask the question then, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs? What Does the Bible talk about dinosaurs. Now, the word dinosaur isn't found in the Bible, and a lot of people try to use that to their benefit. They're like, see here, the Bible doesn't even mention dinosaurs, and they try to go that route. But the word dinosaur, as some of you may know, was not invented until the 1800s, a couple hundred years after the King James Bible was written. So there's no way that they would have used the word dinosaur when the word dinosaur didn't exist. And so, no, we do not find the word dinosaur in the Bible, but the Bible does have plenty to say about the animal life that existed on the earth and thus can reveal much about the dinosaurs. The first thing that we see in the Bible concerning dinosaurs that we looked at just a moment ago is the Bible records the time of their creation. The Bible tells us exactly when dinosaurs were created. We see that in Genesis 1, 24 and 25. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So we see here uh, that the Bible tells us when he created the land animals. Dinosaurs are land animals, so we see clearly when they were created. Secondly, the Bible records some of the descriptions of dinosaurs. The Bible actually describes uh, dinosaurs. And I've got some passages of Scripture here that I get you turned to. Turn over to Job chapter number 40. Job chapter number 40. Now, of course, you know the story of Job. Job was tormented of the devil to try and get him to turn his back on God. And his friends came over and tried to encourage him by telling him what a bad guy he was. You can learn a side lesson from that. You don't encourage people by telling them how bad they are. But anyway, uh, his friends came over and tried to encourage Job by telling him how bad he was. He and his friends discoursed back and forth for a while. And we come to chapter 40, and God speaks up. It's time for God to talk. And in chapter 40, verse number 15, God is drawing Job's attention to how great of a creator he serves. And in verse number 15, God draws Job's attention uh, to a creature that God says here in this passage uh, uh, was the first of or the chief of the ways of God, which would make you think he was uh, outside of man, the, the most magnificent beast that God had created. And he begins to describe him here in verse number 15. He says, Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox. Now some Bibles in their margins will say that behemoth is an ox. Why would it, they say behemoth which eateth grass like an ox if he were an ox? So apparently behemoth is not an ox. It says, Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Some Bible margins will say that this is an elephant or a hippopotamus. I don't know if you've ever looked at the tail of a 
elephant or a hippopotamus, but it doesn't look like a cedar tree. Not at all. It's just a, it looks more like a twig. Anyway, he moved, moved, and isn't it interesting how God includes the details that we need? Why else would have he mentioned the tail? No, he mentioned the tail because this was important detail. Moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees and the cover of the weed and reeds and the ferns. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook come pass him about. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares. Now we understand that this is written in poetic form, but also we understand that this is describing an animal unlike any animals that you and I have in our national forest today. This is some kind of a beast. This is an animal that you can't uh, approach him with a sword. Uh, only his maker, the Bible says, could approach him with a sword. He, he can drink up all of Jordan. Uh, uh, this is a guy that can't be captured in snares. This is some kind of an animal. It sounds a lot like a dinosaur, behemoth. The dinosaur. Now God continues in chapter 41 and actually entire chapter number 41 is talking about another creature. We won't read the entire chapter, but he starts in verse number 41 uh, bringing Job's attention to another animal. He said, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose or bore, bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Wilt thou take him as a servant forever? Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? Shall the, com shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? Can thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with spears? And he goes on describing this animal that lives in the sea, that can't be caught with a hook, it can't be captured, spears won't pierce its skin, arrows won't pierce it, it's something that you, you cannot get. It says in verse number 10, none is so fierce that dare stir him up. And then he says this, who then is able to stand before me? God said whenever you look at behemoth and you look at Leviathan, and you understand that these are animals you can't do anything with. How dare any man stand up against their creator? How does any man dare stand up against the creator who made these enormous creatures? He goes on and continues uh, to talk about Leviathan. He says here in verse number 14, Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are his pride shut up together as with a close seal. One is near to another, so that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. By his kneesings a light does shine. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go a smoke, as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. In his neck remaineth strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. And it goes on talking 
about Leviathan. You say, well, maybe that's just symbolic. Well, Leviathan doesn't just appear here in the book of Job. He appears multiple other places in the Word of God. Many other people speak of this creature that lived in the sea that went by the name Leviathan. And per this description here, he was a fire-breathing dragon. You're like, now, Pastor John, you're getting a little, little far out there to say he's a fire-breathing dragon. Do you know that there are insects that are still exist today that can breathe fire? There are insects that can blow steam and smoke uh, uh, to disguise themselves from their enemy. This isn't a new thing. This isn't a far-fetched thing. This is a fire-breathing dragon right here in the Word of God. Not only do we have behemoth and Leviathan, but in Psalm 74 and verse number 13... The Bible speaks of dragons. Uh, and in Isaiah 30 and verse number 6, the Bible speaks of fiery flying serpents. Uh, so we see that the Word of God describes some of their descriptions. And you can jot those references down if you want. Psalm 74, 13 talks about dragons. Isaiah 30 and verse number 6 talks about fiery flying serpents. And those are not the only verses that speak of dragons and fiery flying serpents. Those are just references I chose to give you. Uh, the Bible speaks of both of these things. You know, it amuses me whenever we say there's no way those things could exist. Nothing, there's nothing in history that talks about them. When the Bible talks about them very plainly, so we believe that, yes, they did indeed exist. So the Bible, what does the Bible tell us about dinosaurs? Tells us when they were created. Records some of their descriptions. What does history say? about dinosaurs. What does history say? Is there any history? Well, history is filled with stories. Uh, there, letter A on your worksheet, the history is filled with stories and legends about dinosaurs. And I've got several here. Uh, I'll just read a couple of them to you. Uh, there's a, a Sumerian story dating back to 2000 B.C. Uh, tells of a hero named Gilga Gilgamesh who, when he went to fell cedars in a remote forest, encountered a huge vicious dragon that he slew, cutting off its head as a trophy. In 330 B.C., Alexander the Great and his soldiers marched into India. They found that the Indians were worshipping huge hissing reptiles that they kept in caves. Of course, we know that China is renowned for dragon stories. Uh, dragons are prominent on all their pottery and embroidery and carvings. Uh, England and several other cultures retained the story of St. George, who slew a dragon that lived in a cave. Um, uh, there's a, a story of a 10th century Irishman who wrote of his encounter with what appears to have been a stegosaurus. In the 1500s, there was a European scientific book that listed several living animals that would now uh, fit what we call dinosaurs. Uh, there was a, a well-known naturalist in about 1572, uh, Ulysses uh, I had it right earlier, but there you go. Uh, he recorded an encounter between a peasant named Baptista and a dragon whose description fit that of a small dinosaur. Uh, and they say that the encounter occurred on May 13, 1572 in Italy, and the peasant killed the dragon. This is recorded history. Uh, and then we have this book here uh, that I got from... Answers in Genesis, actually, when we were there at the Creation Museum. Like I said, Kel, she loves dinosaurs, so we bought this uh, dragon book for her. And uh, here in the back of this dragon book, i got a story to read to you. Uh, and this is interesting, speaking of fiery serpents. And this is a story recorded by Josephus, the historian Josephus, concerning Moses. Now, this is not an account that we find in the Word of God, but it is an account of the same Moses of the Bible that Josephus 
uh, records. Now, Josephus is not inspired. I'm not saying that this is Scripture. I'm just saying this is a historical record. It says, uh, Moses prevented the enemies and took and led his army, be army before those enemies. This is just as it's written in Josephus. And were apprised of his attacking, apprised of his attacking them. For he did not march by the river, but by land, where he gave a wonderful demonstration of his uh, ability. For when the ground was difficult to be passed over because of the multitude of serpents, which it produced in vast numbers, and indeed is singular in some of those productions which other countries do not breed, and yet such as are worse than others in power and mischief, and an unusual fierceness of sight, some of which ascend out of the ground unseen, and also fly in the air, and so come upon men at unawares and do them mischief. Moses invented a wonderful strategy to preserve the army safe and without hurt, for he made baskets like unto arks of sedge and filled them with ibs, uh, which is a type of bird, and carried them along with them, which animal is the greatest enemy to the serpents. For when they fly from them, for they fly from them when they come near them, and as they fly, they are caught and devoured by them, as it were done by the hearts. So here's a story of Moses in the desert and he was unable to go through an area because of fiery flying serpents. So Moses goes back and gets these ibs, which I did some reading on these ibs. They were a domestic bird that were just death on these serpents. And so he goes back, gets him several baskets full of birds, comes back, the birds chase the serpents off, and he goes on through. And this is recorded in Josephus. There is also uh, two other accounts here in this book. I won't read them for sake of time. That also are, one is from Arabia and one is from Rome, that also describe the same fiery flying serpent that Josephus describes that Moses encountered. And so uh, history has a lot of stories and legends. Uh, the evolutionists would have us believe that there's no proof of dinosaurs, but instead history is full of records about dinosaurs. We've got to pull off the right stack here or we'll go backwards. Not only do we have uh, stories and legends, but we also have depictions, petroglyphs and, and um, reliefs that show uh, dinosaurs. I believe I've got a slide there, Hot Rod. So you see several here uh, on... You, you look at this screen, I'm going to look at that screen. So you see we've got uh, two long-necked dinosaurs in a carving. Uh, there we have a... Um, I forget what they call that guy that's got the spikes on his back. Michaela, or Kel calls them a spikeback. So there's a spikeback dinosaur and another one. Uh, we have a drawing of what looks like a fire-breathing dragon and another drawing of what looks like a, what we would call a long-necked dinosaur. And so these are uh, things that have been found that clearly depict uh, dinosaurs. And interestingly enough, also included in these pictures are all other types of animals in these pictures. And so... Why would somebody draw something like that if they had never seen it? Whenever it's apparent that they're drawing a picture or making release of things that they have seen, everything else is things that they've seen, why would they include these things if they had not seen them? And so it's pretty apparent that uh, there are men who have seen them. So there's, there's depictions, there's reliefs uh, that show them. So history is full. Uh, that, of evidence that these creatures lived alongside of people. And there's, there is tons more of these type of things. I only selected pictures that Answers in Genesis said was authentic because there is the possibility of forgery, so I made sure that the ones I selected, they said were authentic pictures that uh, definitely were not something that somebody just drew up. But there are 
hundreds of these type of things that you can find. Just go on the internet and look. It is full of these depictions from history. So what does history say? Then we ask, what do the bones say about dinosaurs? So we looked, what does the Bible say? What does history say? What do the bones say? Now, like I said when we started, some tried to deny or question the existence of dinosaur fossils. Some people try to try to doubt it. They try to say, yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. Those, those probably are just a dead cow and somebody's imagining it. And there has been folks who have dug up bones of modern-day animals and tried to create creatures that never existed. And that has happened. However, dinosaur fossils definitely do exist. They definitely have been found. Uh, they are actually plentiful, and they have a story to tell. I uh, went home uh, yesterday evening, and we was getting ready for supper, and uh, Kel said, Daddy, can we watch TV while we eat supper? Now, myself, I always prefer to sit at the table to eat supper, but uh, she, she loves if she can talk me into sitting in the living room and watching TV while we eat supper. You know, it's always what Kel wants to do. And so she asked me, and last night I was feeling generous, and I'm like, yeah, we can do that. I said, as long as we watch Answers in Genesis, because I'm trying to learn about dinosaurs. And she's like, Daddy, not because she didn't want to watch Answers in Genesis. She just had another show she wanted to watch. And this show that she wanted to watch is called Expedition Unknown. It's a guy by the name of Josh Gates, and he goes all over the world uh, trying to discover things, but he never finds anything, it seems. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting show, a lot of history in it. And she said, I wanted to watch Expedition Unknown. And I'm like, okay, let's watch that. And so she pulls up Expedition Unknown, and here's Josh Gates, and he's going to Russia looking for mammoth ivory. And I'm like, yeah, score for me. You didn't want to watch dinosaurs. We still watch dinosaurs. But anyway, something I didn't even know existed um, is mammoth ivory is legal to buy and sell. It's considered humane ivory. It's legal to buy and sell. Uh, so in Russia, they are these guys who mine mammoth ivory. And, and my, what a setup they have. And they take and pump water out of the rivers up onto the side of the mountains. And they take these big fire hoses and just, just destroy the mountains and wash them off. And then it uncovers the bones and stuff. And they find all these mammoth remains. And, and I mean, it was unreal to just sit and watch how much they were finding. I mean, just tons and tons of these mammoth remains they were finding all in this mountain. There's no question. The fossils exist. They are real. They do exist. So what do they tell us? Well, first of all, uh, they tell us that dinosaurs certainly existed. I have a slide here uh, that shows a few uh, fossils that have been found. Uh, the first picture there, the guy with the hat on like mine, uh, that's Buddy Davis. Y'all can see why I like him, you know. But uh, that's Buddy Davis, and he has a, uh, a dinosaur print that he found and then made a mold of it. Uh, then we see up at the top, uh, that is the tail of a dinosaur, the tail bones of a dinosaur. And then down in the bottom corner is a guy laying beside a leg bone. So that definitely came off a pretty good-sized animal. It's not off of a cow or anything like that. So uh, we see that dinosaurs certainly existed. Uh, the bones also tell us that these animals were suddenly buried. We have another slide there, uh, Hot Rod. Uh, so we see this dinosaur skeleton that is pretty close to intact. And in order for it to be found like that, it had to be buried quickly, suddenly, completely. It wasn't something that uh, was spread out. It happened uh, quickly. Uh, and then we see that the bones also tell us that they are surprisingly recent. Surprisingly recent. We have one more slide here. 
Now what we have here, it's not a very clear picture, it's the best I could find. Uh, what you have there on the one side is a bone from a T-Rex. So they found a T-Rex, a skeleton of a T-Rex. They took one of his bones, uh, cut it open and put it underneath the microscope. And when they put it underneath the microscope, what did they find? But red blood cells. Now, red blood cells don't last for 65 million years. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they've done tests on how long a blood cell would uh, last in uh, pristine conditions, and uh, they say that the most they can, uh, by their calculations, the most they could come up with would be about 100,000 years. Now that is quite a long time, but it's quite a bit less than 65 million. And uh, so that, that I guess this was the, the first find, and since this find, they have found, began inspecting dinosaur bones, and they find that there are a lot of dinosaur bones that still have tissue, that still have cartilage, that still have red blood cells. This stuff wouldn't be there if they died 65 million years ago. So we see that the bones tell us dinosaurs certainly existed, tells us they were suddenly buried, and tells us that they lived a lot more recent than evolutionists want to believe. So we have the bones, but we no longer have the dinosaurs. So the next question we ask is, what really happened? to the dinosaurs. What really happened? And the first, the first explanation is, of course, the evolutionist idea is that they were annihilated before the time of man, that an asteroid struck the earth 65 million years ago. And I have a picture of an asteroid striking the earth. It just kind of shows the hilariousness of the whole thing. I mean, that dinosaur is big. You look at him, man. I'm telling you what, he's dwarfing the mountains. But this asteroid, uh, it comes and annihilates all the dinosaurs. This is the evolutionist uh, theory of what happened. The other explanation is extinction after the flood, that the dinosaurs became extinct after the flood. I told you we'd look at this more in a minute. Wikipedia has a list of 83 animals that have gone extinct since the 1500s. So they have a list of 83 animals that they definitely know, they definitely existed, they definitely no longer exist, 83 animals. Uh, then they have 26 more that are possibly extinct. In order to rule an animal completely extinct, there must be no sightings or tangible proof of their existence for 50 years before they can confirm that they're extinct. So they have 26 more uh, that are possibly extinct, and then there's several more uh, that are now extinct in the wild. So there's animals that are still alive in zoos and uh, reserves that are no longer alive in the wild. And so uh, animals going extinct is not an uncommon thing. It's not something that's impossible. It's actually very possible. It's the reason that we have conservation and uh, whole departments devoted to conservation because man left to himself will kill animals to extinction. And so the creationist view is that uh, the dinosaurs simply became extinct after the flood. However, and you can, you can think of this what you want, but there are many reports of animals that fit dinosaur descriptions from natives in remote areas which indicate that some varieties of dinosaurs are still alive today. And personally, it might, me and Kale, we believe that dinosaurs are still alive, and someday we're going to go find one. Uh, but it's very possible that they're still alive. There was a fish. I don't remember the name of it right now. I didn't write it down. Uh, but there was this fish that was confirmed extinct, had been extinct for 60 million years, and they found one. They're like, oh, my goodness, what a discovery. Here's this fish, and they called it a living fossil because, you know, it's been dead for 60 million years, and here they found one. 
Well, then a few years later, about 6,000 miles from where they found that one, they were in a fish market, and they had these guys for sale. They wasn't rare at all. I mean, they was, they was cooking them and eating them. These are good fellers, you know. And here it was something that had been considered extinct uh, for 60 million years. Um, also, uh, in a lot of your cave uh, petroglyphs, um, whenever you see drawings of horses, the horses are always considerably smaller um, than modern horses, and they always have a black stripe on them. And so people have pondered for centuries, why are the horses always smaller? Why do they always have a black stripe? This must be a species of horse that is extinct. And recently, uh, within the last 50 years, I've not remembered the date, I think it was in the 80s, they found a herd of wild horses in Tibet that were about half the size of modern horses, and they all had black stripes down their back, every one of them. And so here they thought this was extinct, and it still existed. Uh, there were natives in the Congo uh, who would talk about a creature that would uh, keep them from being able to pass through the river. They couldn't get their canoes down the river. And these reports kept coming back and kept coming back, and finally a biologist went and spent some time there. And while he was there, he saw the creature. And uh, he gave his description, and he said by, by everything that he saw, it was a living breathing dinosaur and uh, gave his description that this is exactly what this thing was. And so are they extinct? I, I believe it's possible that they're extinct. Is it possible that they still some varieties living in remote areas? I fully believe that. I fully believe that. These mountains here are plumb full of bobcat. I mean plumb full of bobcat. And you know what? Very rarely does anybody see a bobcat. And we got as a matter of fact, uh, conservation says that we have as many or more bobcats than we do raccoon here in this area. But you, you see coon on the road all the time, but you never see a bobcat, but they're here. And so it's very possible that things exist that we don't see. Now, we're not going to get into Bigfoot now. But anyway, <laughs> well, that's another lesson. We'll get into Bigfoot. But I believe that they, they went extinct or possibly um, they are some who still exist in remote areas. So now we come on down, and boy, I'm running out of time. I'm trying to get through this fast. I'm telling you, I, I knew there was too much. But anyway, how do dinosaurs, or how do incorrect views of dinosaurs affect the gospel? Uh, some may ask, is the study of dinosaurs really important? Couldn't have we used tonight's lesson better? Couldn't we use this time slot better if we would have dealt with something more relevant than talking about dinosaurs? But the truth of the matter is that understanding the truth about dinosaurs is vitally important because the devil has effectively used them to undermine the authenticity of God's Word. The best way to defeat an enemy is to know what he's using, to know his tactic, to know his plan, understand it, and be able to undermine it. The devil has effectively used dinosaurs to undermine the authenticity of the Word of God. We need to understand dinosaurs so we can counteract what the devil's doing. I've listed a few areas where he's undermined the authenticity of God's Word. First of all, uh, he undermines the foundation of the gospel. Dinosaurs are used to undermine the foundation of the gospel. The evolutionary teaching on dinosaurs uh, have a great bearing on why many will not listen to the gospel, as we've mentioned before. And if you don't listen to the gospel, lost, without God, what happens? Society plummets. 
So if dinosaurs are keeping people from believing the gospel, then dinosaurs are affecting the morality of our country because there's no God in their life. Also, if they don't believe the history of the Word of God, why would they believe the message of salvation that's found in the Word of God? If we accept what evolution teaches uh, concerning dinosaurs, then we also have to believe that what the Bible says about creation is wrong. And if the Bible is wrong about creation, can I trust anything else that the Bible has to say? So it's undermined the foundation of the gospel. Dinosaurs, false teachings about dinosaurs have also undermined the moral authority of the Word of God. If everything made itself, as evolution wants us to believe, then we don't need God. And if we don't need God, then what right does He have to tell me what to do? Dinosaurs, false teachings about dinosaurs undermine the moral authority of the Word of God. Not only that, but false teachings about dinosaurs undermines the consequence of sin. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, so we get back to it. The teaching that dinosaurs lived and died millions of years ago before man existed directly attacks the foundation of the gospel. And how so? Well, the Bible teaches us that the world was perfect. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 2, And God saw saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. Then man sinned. And because of man's sin, death entered the world. If dinosaurs lived and died, especially dying a catastrophic death, before man existed, it undermines the entire consequence that sin brought upon mankind. If dinosaurs died before men, then death didn't start with Adam. So the false teaching about dinosaurs undermines the consequence of sin. There's more we could say about that, but not only that, uh, the false teachings about dinosaurs and evolution undermines the need for atonement. You say, how so? Well, we find that when Adam sinned, Adam disobeyed God and the Lord clothed Adam with a coat of skin. To do this, he had to kill and shed the blood of an animal. First animal to ever die died because of Adam's sin. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. God required the shedding of blood in order to forgive sins. What happened in the Garden of Eden was a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ when He would shed His blood on the cross for you and I. If the shedding of blood occurred before sin,